I already have the character count theme song playing in my head, just knowing that we're going to do the intro right now. Bum, 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 bum. Hello, and welcome to Character Count by At Twitter Business. I'm your host, At Joe Wadlington. Twitter is a lively and passionate place where people come to discover what is happening in their world. So we want to show you the creative ways that brands and businesses and people are using Twitter to connect and engage with the audience that matters most to them. So each episode, I'm going to talk to the folks behind some standout advertising campaigns. Today, I'm talking to Chiara Redini. She's the performance marketing manager for At Team Cano, based in London, England. Kano is a toy and technology company that creates do-it-yourself computer kits for kids. With them, children build a computer and then learn to code on it, eventually designing their own games. We're going to hear how Kiara uses complex optimization to target the perfect blend of parents, teachers, and creators. And because Kano is now partnering with Harry Potter and Disney, she's going to talk about wizarding school way more than I would have expected. Kiara, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Very excited about this conversation. Tell us, what does Kano do? So, Kano is a creative computing company. Uh, Our idea is to build your own computers, literally assemble it, Mm. uh, create it, and use it to learn to code and take a first step into creating technology. So, instead of playing games... Why not creating your own games and apps and hacking them and unleash your creativity on it? Yeah, and these computers are really attractive as well. As a, as a child of the 80s, 90s, I love the aesthetic of the clear plastic filled with all the colorful wiring. And that's yes. exactly what these kids have their hands on now. Yes, but at the same time, there's a story behind colors and there's a, be- a story behind like you know, the USB port uh, mm. versus like a Raspberry Pi. Uh, and we try to deliver this whole experience of building and creating uh, and owning your own technology with our products. In the really exciting unboxing videos that I've seen for Kano, there's this beautiful orange box. Why did Kano choose orange? It was uh, one of the very first brand decisions uh, oh, wow. that our creative director made. And it was a very active choice uh, related to the fact that orange is, first of all, a gender neutral color, and at the same time, is a very heartwarming color. And we felt that it really, really matched our core values of mm-hmm. yeah, openness and soulfulness and curiosity and creativity. It's also supposed to be a call to action color, and I used a very similar shade on my resume when I applied for my job at Twitter. You so are, it worked. You're winning, <laughs> winning at it. <laughs> when did you start using Twitter? So, Twitter is a relatively new challenge for us. Uh, we uh, launched it uh, in July last year. Wow. Uh, at a very, very interesting time for us. It was the time of the launch of our Harry Potter can of coding kit, okay. our first big uh, IP license partnership uh, with Warner Brothers. And we were looking at the best way to deliver this amazing brand campaign uh, and reach the best audiences out mm-hmm. there in the most efficient way. And uh, 
uh, we launched Twitter. Uh, we built a strategy. Uh, we did a lot of testing around it, and since then, it's been it's become like a core channel for performance and brand for Cano. Why do you go to Twitter to launch your products? Because it allows us to be in the moment. So it's the most immediate and effective way to bring fresh content and to drive big volumes of conversations which are relevant, highly engaged and rich in terms of like point of view and diversity of its content. So the Harry Potter world is a huge fandom and it's broken down by like followers of actors, of J.K. Rowling's, of Mm. Warner Brothers itself, of the books, of the movies. Uh, And it's just the perfect environment to test it, to test it on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that you've had such success with product launches because people on Twitter just love new stuff. And we've, uh, I, the, the style guide for our team, I've put a rule around the word new because we found it's too powerful. We can't use it after six months because people will click through it. They like it and we want to be very honest and helpful about the new things. But uh, have you found that as well, that people just gravitate towards anything updated and any brand new products and new exciting things? Yes. I think we've seen that both from a pure uh, advertising point of view. So from I was mind blown by the actual performance of fresh content, how important it is for the algorithm. And at the same time, from a user side and rich side, we've seen incredible spikes um, just in uh, just during the weeks or days around big product launches. So uh, on the wave of like a big PR campaign, a big launch campaign with big like uh, partnerships. Um, Yes. I know some of our listeners will think, well, I want to launch a product and have it seamlessly go to exactly the right fans. So what is it that you're doing right now to your Twitter ads campaigns to make it go to the right people? Um, We have the luxury of being able to test. So we Uh have a very test and learn driven approach to channels Um, because we have so much to learn. So what we're currently do, doing is testing our audiences respond to different messaging and different product. Because, of course, there's an amazing potential, for example, of cross-selling. So some people will, will become part of the Kano universe just from hearing about Harry Potter and mm-hmm. then will buy a Kano kit. And then some other people will, will be like loyal Kano fast, uh, customers since our Kickstarter campaign and then we'll also buy into the Harry Potter and Star Wars product because of it. So we need to test a lot how Mm -hmm. these overlapping audiences respond to different products and to different messaging. And when you say testing audiences, you mean the like micro communities on Twitter that you're targeting at different times and overlapping? Yeah. Uh, So we try and build, um, yeah, let's say block of communities of uh, relevant interests or behaviors or demographic data. Um, so, of course, there's like huge Harry Potter fandom audiences, but within these sub communities, there are so many different layers of it. So, imagine people who have only watched the movies and people that only love the books, uh, and people who love uh, Snape uh, and would like just definitely belong to a Slytherin house. <laughs> uh, and we, we, of course, it's a hard balance to strike, granularity versus uh-huh. like reach. Uh, but we try to be as efficient as possible by breaking down and testing and learning how each sub-community responds to it. 
I would agree that your campaigns get extremely granular. I was really impressed when I looked at the the back end of your campaign dashboard and saw how many very slightly different campaigns that you have right there. So I would love, especially because I'm always a writer at heart, to ask you questions about the copy you use. And how do you figure out what's the best? Because I am seeing some things where you will have an ad and it will have a percentage on it, like 30% off. And then you'll have one that says like $50 off. And then you'll have one that says like buy within the next 12 hours. And then you'll have another one that's 24. And so please tell me uh, why you're doing that. And what have you seen that is the most effective? So that's a tactic. Uh, We are testing variants of language and positioning, for example, of a discount Mm -hmm. message in the ad, we need to cut through with a powerful message. So we've been testing percentages. We've been testing um, currency amounts. Uh, We've tested um, the language of like VIP discounts. Uh, For example, there was an amazing campaign that that's probably one of the our best performing Twitter ads in terms of like direct conversion, mm-hmm. uh, appealing to our core loyalty audiences, and we were rewarding them with a very very like specific discount code. Wow! And that worked amazing, and that's where you could see a lot of ads testing VIP mm-hmm. special just for you, hyper personalized. So your most uh, successful ad was also targeted towards your smallest group. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's it's probably less small than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> when the discounts start um, rolling in. I think, I think it's a healthy kind of behavior for a brand to always stay loyal to its core, uh-huh. to the Kickstarter backers, uh, to our first customers that have bought our products when we first launched them without mm-hmm. the big uh, validation of, you know, a Harry Potter brand on top of it, the mm. the generation of like makers and creators and coders. So we always keep uh, an eye on them and we always have like a special place for them. Okay. And you are still targeting your ads towards Slytherins? Ah, oh, yes, of course. They're the coolest. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just love Snape. Unfortunately, we have not rolled out house targeting quite yet. Ah, <laughs> that would have been perfect what for you. Get all the Ravenclaws with the coding knowledge. <laughs> and then after the Harry Potter product launch, you were targeting who? Uh, we are still targeting them and we've added new layers of audiences mm. of Harry Potter fans uh, around the world that had never heard about learning to code and coding <laughs> kits. And we are s- striving to find that perfect audience overlap and interest overlap. And that's where Twitter comes into play in our product launch strategies. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you said a creative computing company as opposed to we're a toy company. Because when I look at the images, they're so colorful. They look like they're having so much fun. And yet you're saying, oh, yes, we have a USB port included in this. And so I know you're not trying to um, go head to head with a doll, an action figure, a USB port. But tell me more about how you position Cano. So the category conversation is a really interesting one for us. And it's actually a a very challenging one. Um, And it's very market specific. So to give you an example, the US Mm. um, 
it's very familiar uh, with the STEM toy, science, technology, engineering, and maths toys, so learning toys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, whereas markets like the UK and some other European markets are less familiar uh, with like engineering education. And because of that, and because of the very um, strong seasonality of our um, performance, uh, this places us in the broader space of gifting. Mm -hmm. And of course, disposable income is limited, is not Mm -hmm. endless. Mm -hmm. So in some instances, we might be competing with Barbie dolls uh, because we are around a similar price point. Uh, But at the same time, we can compete with like iPads. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends. Uh, the fact that we have now reached a really big critical mass of audiences, it means that we are able to talk to different people in different ways and to place ourselves in different spaces for different people. I think you demonstrate that extremely well on your Twitter feed because something I was really impressed with is how many um, like unboxing videos and videos of parents playing with their children around these tools, of kids excitingly uh, putting the computer together. Yes. Um, first of all, this is something that we love retweeting. It's a way of for us to give back to everyone that actually is doing cool things, real things on account of computing. Mm-hmm. And for us, we receive so much user-generated content, as in like videos shot on like iPhones of parents looking at their kids unboxing these like beautiful orange boxes, filming on camera the the way they're like eyes are just wide open, full of surprise, so excited to yeah. like get building, get coding, um, being able to unleash their creativity and imagination. And so for us, this is an amazing resource to deliver the value of our brand and the idea that we just provide people with a tool and with the inspiration to use it in whatever mm-hmm. way they want. Yeah, and user-generated content is like a gold mine when you're a brand. That's what everybody wants, but it can be really difficult. We have a lot of trouble um, getting people to respond to us sometimes and create something on their own. Do you think there's something different about things you did or how Cano is positioned that makes more users want to create content for you? Yes. So there's Cano Word and is a community side of our product, of our software, uh, is a platform for kids uh, specifically and whoever is mm-hmm. using the products to actually share the, their creations with the rest of the users, the rest of cannabis ah. uh, all over the world. So Say that again, cannabis? Cannabis. Cannabis, <laughs> those are your fans? That yeah, is so and cute. our user and okay. ourselves. Uh-huh. Um, and we have short of a million creations there. Uh, wow. We have like hundreds of thousands of creations from mm-hmm. kids all over the world. And so that just, they just, just create with code, they create images, GIFs, games, and they share it on this platform and other users can remix the code and change the colors and interact wow. with each other. So, of course, this enables us to access this amazing uh, this amazing source of content and also share it with the world. Oh my gosh, it's like the intersection of GitHub and art class. Yes, yes. And I love what you're saying and it sounds like you have this rich environment and you have an audience that wants to share their stuff, which is great. Could you boil that down into your best tip of how to how to get users to upload their content and share it with the world? I think the first tip is about enabling them. Mm. as in giving them the tools to actually do that. So we just, 
we don't just ask. We don't even need to ask. We don't ask people, please send us over your creation. Mm. We just give you an amazing experience on site, a delightful like user journey into our product. And that's just the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is um, rewarding this behavior as well. So part of this community called Kano Word is, of course, me- mediated by us. So we have what we call staff picks every week. So around the company, we just go and like pick the best creations of that week and share it. Uh, and that's, again, it's just an amazing like value add uh, and, uh, and a proof of the fact that internally we try to look outwards and yeah. uh, we really celebrate the successes and the creations of our users. So That's a really incredible tool to be able to put your community's artwork, your user-generated content, um, and therefore, of course, how your customers are actually using the product right at the center of your company that forces you to connect with it again and again and be aware of how people are using it. I know whenever we do a focus group at Twitter, we're always shocked and uh, excited and energized when we hear about the struggles people are having on Twitter, how they've had successes with it. How does being able to tap into your community so frequently benefit Kano? Uh, we use the platform to show the potential of our products mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. after the launch time. Uh, we use Twitter to welcome feedback about our product. We use Twitter to demystify some hard questions about our product. So it, it works in many directions, but the priority for us is just keeping this channel of communication open. What sub-communities are you most excited about on Twitter? Because I know with Cano, you are advertising at the end of the day, towards kids who want to learn about coding or maybe don't know that they want to know that yet, uh, you're advertising towards their parents who have the credit cards to buy the computers. So what areas of the uh, great grand internet do you find yourself most interested in with Kano? So the beauty of our core audience, the one I, I was telling you about that we really want to be loyal to and we talk to first, is a generation of makers creators, um, hackers and explorers Uh and um, very often, yeah, tech friendly, tech savvy, um, interested into the mystifying technology and making real use of it. And at the same time, of course, a lot of our end users are kids. So we need to talk to parents a lot. And they, of course, are going to be the mediators of Mm -hmm. our conversation Mm -hmm. with kids. And we need to do it in a smart way, of course. And we we have narratives to which a lot of our audiences have have really grown attached to. For example, the idea of like providing kids with like quality screen time. That's something that really resonates with parents. Quality screen time. Yeah, because you, interesting. You know, like I think a lot of parents are very concerned about the quality of the screen time that the kids spend. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the idea of that kid like being hunched back on the sofa, uh, looking at a tablet. Quite, you know, the mindless swipe. I just sat up straighter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that we we've all been there. You know, swiping the idea of like mindless consumption of uh-huh. technology, I think is a very dangerous one. Mm-hmm. And we are offering a narrative of quality screen time. And that really resonates well, not just with our parents' audiences, but also with our huge audience of educators. Because of course we talk 
uh, to consumers, but at the same time, we talk to institutions, we, to, we talk to educators and teachers, and they represent a really important audience for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've given us amazing response. They are the one tweeting uh, images of like classrooms being mind blown by our products and kids having the best time with them. So... I love what you're saying about this concept of quality screen time because I will, you know, you uh, come home from work and I just need to be like inert for a certain amount of minutes. And so I'll start playing Panda Pop, uh, which is a game where the narrative is I have to rescue the mother panda's children by popping the bubbles in which they've been trapped in. Uh, Very dramatic and tumultuous. And then I will quickly realize, well, not so quickly, realize about 45 minutes goes by. And then I will try to switch from the uh, low quality screen time, low quality, but valid. Uh, And then I'll switch to Duolingo. And I'll start trying to learn French again. And so what you're talking about is really interesting where uh, you're giving parents the tools to be able to do that for their children of saying, okay, you are the technology enabled generation, you're digital natives, you want to learn, um, you want to be in front of a computer, you want to be on the internet, you want to be interested and entertained. And so we're going to meet you halfway. And that's okay. And we're coming in with a proposition that it's very soulful in a Hmm. way. It's the idea of something really not mind, the opposite of mindless. Creating, it's so empowering Uh if you just start it. And for parents, of course, it's an important, it's just an important tool because all they need to do is just to support their kids in in this like quest for like unleashing their potential, mm-hmm. giving them the right tool mm-hmm. and giving them the inspiration to do so. And then you mm-hmm. can see them just unboxing products and starting to code animation and GIFs and like the way they get excited about it. And I think build their it's, own it's, computer in a matter of minutes and in an afternoon and then start using yeah, it to play a game that they've invented. It can take them like half an hour. It took me on my first day at Khan, it took me something like two hours and a half. <laughs> I've never felt so judged in my whole life. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that was really tough but it's beautiful to s- when you see it happening and uh-huh. that's where the quality mm-hmm. is I think. yeah I'm realizing as you're talking with your your ideal platonic ideal of a targeted audience and you're having to layer teachers and scientists and tech enthusiasts and parents and children and toy companies and through all of it you're trying to create this like kaleidoscope and actually target a new category you're trying to create a new category that doesn't exist yet but with Kano you want to focus and foster this new generation of technologists yeah, so yeah, that sounds like a big mission uh, when you say it out loud. <laughs> that's the plan. That's that's our idea of being a new kind of computing company. Mm. Um, our idea of demystifying what's inside these boxes that we carry in our pockets and we type on mm-hmm, the whole mm-hmm. day. And they mm. are currently controlled and like planned for by the 1% of the 1% in the world. And we just want to bring this knowledge to everyone and live by it, by our values of openness and Mm -hmm. curiosity. That's such an exciting product. And it sounds like you all move very quickly at Kano. Are there other product launches that are on the horizon that you're especially excited about? Yes, yes. Uh, um, Your body language completely uh, changed. uh, I'm I'm really so excited. But at the same time, I know I can't disclose so much right now. Uh, But something I can say is that we are working with Disney and we are working uh, towards a product launch featuring Star Wars. 
So wow. that's going to be the big news of this year. I really can't say anything more okay. about it, but we are so thrilled. Um, the Harry Potter experience was just amazing and mm-hmm. full of learnings. Mm-hmm. And we, we're we now going to be working with a brand that has even a wider reach mm-hmm. uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to make these, uh, not a Star Wars only experience, the same as we did with Harry Potter. We're not uh, manufacturing a Harry Potter toy yeah. or a Star Wars toy. We are taking people on a Star Wars journey mm. in a Kano environment, in a very Kano uh, driven way. Um, what color lightsaber would Kano have? You shook your finger at me. <laughs> you can pick any color. It's okay. Um, I do love a bright pink. Is that your lightsaber color or is that Kano's lightsaber color? That's mine. That's my vibe. I um, love some pink. <laughs> would it be millennial pink or like an electric Barbie? Electric. Okay, electric. Like bright, All the way Barbie. Uh, full pigment. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what Hogwarts house would Kano be in? Controversial. <laughs> um, actually, I think Connor would be Hogwarts in this situation. Uh, okay, tell me more. Um, our organization has an incredible diversity of talents and personalities. And I think when we jumped onto the Harry Potter franchise idea, we we really found the similarity between the word of coding and magic, that kind of an accessible word that very few people uh, can understand and and that we really want to demystify and open to the world. (laughs) And I think Hogwarts in that beautiful um, educational mission um, is the closest thing to Kano. What house would you be in? I, I love Slytherin. You're ambitious. I am ambitious. Not afraid of admitting that. Um, I would be a Gryffindor because I never shut up. (laughs) Kiara, what is your favorite Twitter tip? My top Twitter tip is be very fresh and genuine with your content and at the same time be very brave with your audience targeting. Uh, find your sweet spot, find your people, find your communities and speak to them truthfully. And what is your top life tip? Um, that's that's going to be, be in the moment. Um, and I actually think it matches pretty well. Um, Twitter's mission of, yeah, having conversations instantly and without barriers. Be brave and be present. Chiara Radini, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You had so much to give. I'm not at all surprised, and it was very valuable. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. We're all good. So it's inspiring to hear the creative ways you can use Twitter ads to find the audience that matters most to you. But how do you make a good ad? What goes on it? What color should it be? Is millennial pink still a thing? So I've grabbed a brand designer, literally from the hallways of Twitter, to answer all those questions and tell us how we should be crafting our visual content. My name is AJ Gonzalez, and I'm a brand designer at Twitter. Um, I'm on the brand strategy team. 
What do those things mean? So the brand strategy team basically implements um, campaigns for other brands to launch or connect with audiences on Twitter. So these are brands outside of Twitter Correct. that people inside of Twitter are creating creative for. Yes. And you are a graphic designer on that team. I am. So you've created, how many brands would you say you've designed for? Oh, God. Um, since I started, uh, well over 100 different brands from tech, you know, the tech community here in San Francisco, to medical communities, auto, oh my God, like like fast food restaurants, candy bars, like everything. You, you've created Twitter design stuff for over 100 brands. Yes. Wow. When clients come to you to design stuff for them, what is the number one thing, most common thing they're asking for? I think they want to figure out a way to bring their content onto Twitter and to match their whole brand aesthetic and their campaign that they already have off-platform to bring it onto Twitter and how to create that effective content to resonate with the audience that we have on Twitter. Is that a good place to start for them? Um, that's not the ideal place to start for them. Um, we like to tell clients that in this day and age, you really need to make your content specific for the Twitter audience. The Twitter audience is a lot different. Um, a lot of advertisers still think that, you know, I can make this television commercial and that will work everywhere, but it doesn't. You know, people are on their mobile phones 80% of the time, and that's their, how they're consuming all this content. So if you create something for the feed, it's going to be completely different than when you create something for television where someone's sitting there between certain television shows. Um, when they're on their phone, they, they're scrolling past this. You have pretty much three seconds to get inside their head, make them stop. What's the most common design mistake brands make on Twitter? Ooh, they don't put their logo or their, like, on their asset. Um, or they if they're having a video play they don't have the captions already on the video um, because a lot of times um, especially mobile users are not listening to the sound on and so to have like basically whatever the, the person's saying in the video just like right over it um, I the best ways to do it is to make it seem part of the video and not just a caption but even just having a caption definitely helps What's the least helpful feedback you've been given as a designer? Oh, uh, put more information in this small square. <laughs> What's the most helpful feedback you can be given as a designer? Oh, um, I think, oh, I have a, a good example of this. I think clear direction helps a designer really well. Like examples of like other brands or examples of like, even just like, oh, I really like this style of photography or I really like this illustration. That gives a designer clear direction and where to go because a designer is always thinking like, the world is my oyster. But if you just want them to make something cool, that really doesn't guide a direction at all. And so I think having that really good line of communication helps a designer so immensely. What's the hottest design color right now? Okay, well, I'm going to go back to millennial pink. <laughs> Even though I don't think that's the hottest color, I just really gravitate to it <laughs> personally. Are you a millennial? I would say so, yes. Uh, but I think uh, right now it's like a it's like a warm coral, I believe. It's like a very hot color. Tell me about design trends that are overdone. Are there any taglines or words or images that you have seen too much of? 
I do see when brands try to use like slang when that doesn't fit their personality at all, like using words like lit. <laughs> and I just don't think that you should be using that if that's not part of your brand aesthetic, if you're not, if your brand isn't a young person. So it just, it doesn't really work for everyone. What is your top Twitter design tip? I always say this and it's so real. You have to connect with your audience and start with them. So think about who you're trying to reach and what their interests are and who those people are and really focus on all that. And what is your top life tip? Uh, Don't be scared about taking risks. Start with your audience and don't be afraid to take risks. AJ Gonzalez, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Character Count is a production of Pod People for At Twitter Business. This episode was hosted by me, Joe Wallington. Our executive producer is Rachel King. This episode was produced by Holden Mary and edited by Joanna Clay. Music by Annalise Nelson and Dax Schaefer. Special thanks to Marissa Window, Lindsay Bruce, and the entire Twitter customer success team. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow at Twitter Business for incredible tips on Twitter ads, marketing best practices, or follow me at Joe Wadlington for tweets about watching Coco on a plane and crying. Have a great day. Bum, bum, ba-na-ma-na-ma. Bum, bum, bum.